0: This is Bitcoin Tech Talk, issue number 246, Bitcoin Thrives on Adversity. As usual, my newsletter can be found at jimmysong.substack.com. It gets sent out every Monday uh, at 9 a.m., and you can get it straight to your inbox. Um, But this is a read-through of it, and this gets published on my podcast. So that's the other way you could get it if reading is not your thing and you like to listen instead. Bitcoin Thrives on Adversity, Bitcoin Tech Talk, Issue Number 246 Bitcoin has had its share of adversity in its life. What put Bitcoin on the map was WikiLeaks. They had their PayPal donation account revoked in 2010. Searching for another means of donations, they found Bitcoin. That in turn led to a huge surge in the interest in Bitcoin, which Satoshi felt Bitcoin was too young for. He famously said that the swarm is headed toward us. 2011 brought the Silk Road, which became a major use case for Bitcoin. This was the dominant narrative for Bitcoin's use case as a transactional currency for illegal drugs. The arrest of Ross Ulbricht in 2013 put an end to the Silk Road and ended the narrative. Many thought this to be the end of Bitcoin, but Bitcoin faced adversity and not just survived, but thrived. The six weeks after Ross Ulbricht's arrest gave us a spectacular bull run. 2014 brought the block size wars, which was the narrative that Bitcoin needed to scale in one way or the other to be successful. The corporations and miners wanted a straight increase in block size through a backwards incompatible hard fork, and the developers and users wanted a technically more complicated but backwards compatible set of features called SegWit. Many pundits, including myself, thought that a hard fork would destroy Bitcoin due to the confusion in the market. Yet when Bitcoin Cash hard fork from Bitcoin in August 2017, Bitcoin not only didn't die, but thrived. Similarly, when when the SegWit2x hard fork failed to even launch, Bitcoin went on another bull run of epic proportions. As Bitcoin has faced and dealt with adversity, the market has responded by going on a major bull run. Adversity is good for Bitcoin. Bitcoin faces more adversity now as miners are being booted from China. Hash rate difficulty is set to go down by around 25% in the next few days, indicating that there is 25% less hash power than there was in the previous period. The cheap stranded energy in China seems to have run its course and the equipment is presumably headed elsewhere. We can speculate on why China is doing this, including clearing the way for CBDCs or having a different uh, uses for the previously stranded energy. Such speculation wouldn't really enlighten what's going to happen with the market. What's important here is that mining is still very profitable and equipment procurement has been the bottleneck for the last year. The current situation presents an opportunity for people skilled in operations and logistics to make a lot of money. The market is, in a sense, waiting to see how such people will handle the current crisis. The market has done this before. In 2013, the market saw that not everyone who owned Bitcoin was a drug user. Transactions were not the main reason for Bitcoin's existence. In 2017, the market saw that corporations were not in charge and that it really was decentralized. Bitcoin owners really were self-sovereign and didn't have a central point of failure. In 2021, the market is waiting to see if the mining equipment and energy are vulnerable to nation-state interference. Is Bitcoin resilient to nation-state level regulation? That's the question we're all waiting to see Bitcoin handle. As before, I expect Bitcoin to pass with flying colors, and that usually brings with it a nice bull run. So um, obviously, like the history of Bitcoin is such that we get additional um, uh, sort of uh, bull runs after Bitcoin overcomes something. Uh, the first thing was overcoming the you know Silk Road drug user illegal stuff narrative. Um, and the second one was, okay, are, can corporations um, actually influence Bitcoin towards what they want? Um, turns out that, uh, you know, Bitcoin is actually sound money, that it's a very good store value, and that corporations aren't in charge, and that it really is decentralized. Um, we're seeing in 2021, can nation states actually interfere? Uh, because that that's what this test is about, because China is kicking out a lot of miners. And if they can successfully do it, I think it would be very bad for Bitcoin. But I don't think they'll be that successful. A lot of that mining equipment is moving. It's very valuable. There's a lot of profit motive here. And that's ultimately what's going to cause Bitcoin um, to really decentralize. Uh, distribute the mining uh, across the globe all right let's uh let's take a look at the next story antoine riard makes the case for full rbf as a default policy for core he points out the many ways in which opt-out rbf the current policy can be abused for ddos attacks on lightning for example before an rbf transaction is broadcast a malicious party can send out an opt-out rbf there are many attacks like this which can be deficient to the user experience. His argument is pretty solid and I hope full RBF has made network policy to make second layers more secure. Yeah, RBF stands for replace by fee and currently um, you can opt out of RBF by uh, broadcasting a certain type of transaction and uh, essentially if you if you have the ability to do that before a certain other transaction gets in. Um, then it'll never get replaced in the mempool. And that's, a, that, that's sort of like a vector of attack, possibly. Um, and it makes it very annoying to do certain lightning transactions if, uh, if one party uh, does stuff like that. So uh, I, I, I think Anton's uh, argument is pretty sound, and hopefully it does make it into core in the next couple of versions. Kraken has a blog post on the infected ledger devices from last week. The post goes into how the phishing attack used a modified ledger device and replaced some components. The post was enlightening in how sophisticated such attacks can be and how subtle the modifications. There is no way a normal user would be able to tell the difference between a modified and unmodified ledger. This is not an easy problem to solve and I hope hardware wallet manufacturers take some time to think of good solutions. Um, yeah the the ledger device basically like they they took out some oscillator uh for some timing and replaced uh a tiny part of the USB um, essentially as a way to uh deterministically generate some randomness so that they they would know the seed or something to that effect it was, it was uh it's very interesting uh like how you can modify a hardware that way Um, Worth reading, definitely. Andrew Chow has a proposal for the Taproot address derivation using HD keys. Along the same lines, he's also proposing upgrades to PSBT for all the new Taproot features. These are needed additions given that Taproot is going to be activating in November. Adding Taproot is not going to be easy for a lot of wallets, and standards like this will help immensely in getting wallets to adopt Taproot. I hope some standard music and backup masteries become bibs to help wallets out. Um, The thing that a lot of people don't understand about Taproot is that uh, uh, most of the work, a lot of the work, is actually on the wallet side, uh, and it won't get adopted until wallet developers are comfortable with it. Um, Having standards and test uh, um, vectors and things like that help immensely in assuring developers that they're doing it the correct way so I really do hope um, that this becomes a standard lightning labs has released an article on understanding liquidity on the lightning network this is an important part of running a node and not very well understood so it's great that they laid out the various important parts of liquidity the main thing I learned from the article is that liquidity needs are different depending on whether you're a routing node a merchant node or a payment node worth reading to get smooth operation of your node, or if you're a developer, perhaps making software geared towards a specific type of node. And I, I think this is something that um, that I foresee going forward. A Lightning node that's a routing node is uh, very different than one that's a payment node or a merchant node. Uh, you, you want to be connected in different ways and have different levels of liquidity. Uh, based on what kind of node you are, and I think we're going to need software that specifically targets each type of user. So, if you're mostly just paying in Lightning, then you want outbound channels mostly. Uh, if you're a merchant, then you want inbound channels. If you're a routing node, then you want uh, do maybe <laughs> some in both directions and so on. Uh, so, like balancing that and uh, making sure that that works properly and has sufficient liquidity it is different depending on the mode so I, I expect software to start sort of targeting those as lightning becomes more popular kaminsky and mikalski uh, argue that gaming and lightning are uh, gaming and lightning is set to take off I'm not a gamer, but this really does feel like there's enormous potential for more fun experiences using payments, especially across ecosystems. Liquidity in most games is tiny, but pooled together, they can make the games more interesting. Um, I I expect um, Lightning and gaming to have some very interesting synergies. Uh, They see it more as a way to go across ecosystems, so if you have um, you know, tokens on one game, you can convert them and spend them in another game, something like that. Um, and that that's a really interesting use case and one that uh, allows for um, possibilities that, you know, we're we're probably not quite imagining. There's a site that's publishing lightning technical information in Spanish, given the popularity in El Salvador and many other similar Bitcoin beach type projects in Latin America. an excellent idea and I hope more resources like this are available for Spanish-speaking developers Uh, needless to say the El Salvador news has uh, put a lot of focus on lightning and Bitcoin Uh, um, but yeah lightning is the major use case there at Bitcoin Beach Uh, and you know having um, developer resources for Spanish speaking developers is probably going to be amazing Economics, engineering, etc. Alex Gladstein has a must read on the CFA franc, or the currency of monetary imperialism for France. It's shocking to read about how much France still exercises control over their former colonies through the CFA franc, but such uh, oppression is not surprising. The U.S. has been doing this to some extent to many other countries since Bretton Woods the article is a reminder that monetary oppression is alive and real and that this is how many countries stay poor. Um, yeah. So if you haven't read that, go read it right now. Cause the, um, Gladstein article on the CFA Frank was, um, really kind of shocking, uh, how much France controls its former colonies, um, just through monetary, uh, imperialism, monetary policy. Um, And people that live in those countries uh, clearly know uh, how much oppression um, they're on the receiving end of. Uh, We're just not aware of it in the Western world, mostly. Stefan Levera writes on Mises about how fiat money changes culture. His argument is that unsound money has serious consequences and changes how people live. The article cites... Your Greedo Holzman, whose book, The Ethics of Money Production, goes into a lot of the cultural consequences. Definitely worth pondering and reading. I didn't say this in the newsletter, but this, uh, like a lot of what Stefan writes in that article, is, um, is what we wrote in the book, Thank God for Bitcoin, a lot of the sort of cultural and moral consequences. Um, and, you know, money does affect things quite a bit, including um, culture. Tom Maxwell makes the case for Bitcoin for the left side of the political spectrum. The argument is basically that the system is rigged and results in endless war. The explanation of how certain people benefit from the Cantillon effect was a nice touch. I thought, I thought he presented the case for Bitcoin in a way that should appeal to those on the left. Um, I'm not on the left side of the political spectrum, so I'd be curious to see how many people actually get convinced to buy Bitcoin based on his argument, but. Um, I think those arguments work. Doomberg analyzes what Michael Saylor is doing. The Post is thrown in analyzing the moves that Saylor has made with MicroStrategy and the current cap table and equity. The analysis is interesting in that according to the Post, the market is assigning a $71,000 valuation per Bitcoin, which is more than double the current price. Doomberg also speculates that a personal loan is in the future so Saylor can get even more upside. So, um read the whole thing if you're curious about uh what sailor is doing and how the latest (coughs) latest bond is different than the previous two the previous two were unsecured and the current one is secured um and you know it's it's got a higher interest rate and everything else uh but yeah and and there's a coupon and everything um very interesting uh what what he's doing and how much he's Uh, going all in on Bitcoin Nick Carter opines on the China mining ban and the hash rate migration happening now the main thing I got out of the article is that energy infrastructure has been upgrading for the last few years and because of the unevenness of the development there was a lot of stranded energy the cheap energy in China in other words was temporary there also seems to be some assertion of control by the central government over the provincial governments Regardless, the hash power is leaving and will distribute the mining significantly. Um, Great article from Nick uh, and his pointing out that, you know, there was a lot of stranded energy, but they've been upgrading their infrastructure. So the um, grid is more connected and that's allowing some of that stranded energy to um, go to places that will pay more. And a lot of these miners are um, getting kicked out not necessarily because of sort of like government strong army, but because the cheap energy rates are no longer available and that that may be uh, why that's happening all right some quick hits F 2.0 is barely up and running but that didn't prevent one of its projects from suffering a huge security breach um, yeah that that's the first uh, that's one of the F 2.0 staking pools apparently they lost their private keys or something, and uh, they're suing fireblocks and everything else. Actually, make that too. That there's another one called shared stakes, uh, which has been exploited by one of the developers or something. I mean, like I, I, I don't understand people that are going into these projects um, knowing that there's so much vulnerability here. It's just completely insecure. Nassim Taleb makes an argument against Bitcoin. He uh, released a paper last week about uh, about Bitcoin. Um, I I thought it was uh, a complete facepalm, uh, but I'll let you be the judge. You can go read it yourself. El Salvador citizens are slated to get thirty dollars in Bitcoin. So this is uh, an initiative by the El Salvador government. Uh, they're going to give everybody 30 bucks in Bitcoin and then, um, you know, allow the uh, natural flow of things to happen. We'll, we'll see where that goes. Peter St. Onge answers some questions about the El Salvador Bitcoin law. So go read that if you're uh, wondering what's going on exactly. All right, some other things. I will be at the Bitcoin Standard Conference on August 12th to 14th in Mexico and BitBlock Bloom in Dallas, August 26th to 29th. Uh, And I am holding the Programming Blockchain Seminar in Mexico uh, right before the Bitcoin Standard Conference. It's a a two-day seminar for programmers to learn more about Bitcoin and you can apply. I do have some scholarships for those that can't afford it on um, this week's bitcoin fix is this i talked to ali from tahini's about small business the effects of inflation and the benefits of using bitcoin for treasury so check that out if you are a um, small business owner or are interested in inflation i read through last week's newsletter on twitter spaces just like i'm doing now i was on tone show to talk el salvador the china china mining ban and big cloud I was also on Coin Stories to talk about my origin story. Um, lastly, I was on Born to Fly and Solomon Investor to talk about the new book. Um, those are two uh, Christian uh, podcasts where I talked about Bitcoin. All right. Uh And let's see, what else is there? My other books are The Little Bitcoin Book and Programming Bitcoin. Go check those out. Unchained Capital is a sponsor of this newsletter. I joined as an advisor to be a part of a company that's enhancing the security for Bitcoin holders. If you need multisig, collaborative custody, or Bitcoin native financial services, learn more at unchained.com and of course fiat Est. and that is all for this episode of bitcoin tech talk it was i can't believe i've done 246 issues of this i started this like a few years ago but it is it is it keeps going and i've been doing it every week anyway uh that's about it um yeah uh fiat Est.